thankfulness in the hard times. Now, for our guests today, it's a little bit of a different type of a lesson. I'm not going to be teaching on a biblical concept and calling this or calling us to do this. I'm just going to be sharing some of my struggles, some things that I've been going through, some things from my life, and how God is helping me work through some of these times. And so that's, that's really, the, and I hope that you can, from, from me hearing, you know, my story, then you can say, hey, maybe I can apply that to my life. Because sometimes it's hard to be thankful in hard times. 2019, and I'm saying this as if it's over, <laughs> we're kind of coming in for a landing on it, right? Has been pretty much the hardest year since moving to Champaign, at least. On Phyllis and I. It started in the first week of January. And it's kind of been downhill since then. It started with a great personal loss that I personally did not feel and understand because I'm a fairly emotionally constipated individual. <laughs> the depth of my anger and hurt until months later. And uh, Phyllis and I, we felt these things, and um, it affected our personal lives. It affected our focus. It affected our ministry and everything that we've done. And I personally, as I confessed this to the Midwest church leaders a couple of weeks ago, I've never said, I'm done. I want to quit. I'm, I'm out of here more than I have this year. These are some of the things. Now, I'm not sharing this so you'll feel sorry for me or anything else. I'm just letting you know. Because some people think, but a pastor doesn't have hard times. He's always up there preaching. He's always fired up. He's always excited. He's always, you know, praise God. But, you know, we're just people like everybody else trying to figure out our way to get to heaven. And, uh, you know, we do feel a lot of things. We all experience hard times. We all do. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes I just say, well, it must be my turn. <laughs> we can feel hard times at home, our marriages, or our families, our kids, or at work, or hard times at school. Sometimes it's hard times at church. <laughs> and if you're the pastor, that kind of hits work and church at the same time. But I'm learning that hard times aren't always bad things. Sometimes God uses them on purpose for good things in my life. And so I'm doing quiet times and I'm trying to figure this stuff out. And I go to the, an unlikely place, at least I, it didn't jump out at me. And that's in the book of Habakkuk. Or Habakkuk. I'm not really too stressed on how to pronounce it because I'm fairly common, confident he couldn't pronounce my name correctly either, <laughs> if he were to hear. This is just a little thing I'm wondering, guys. How many of you, outside of, you know, I'm going through read the Bible in a year and it tells me, but just outside of that, how many of you have ever really read the book of Habakkuk? Okay, not a lot. <laughs> it's one of them little bitty ones. They even call him a minor prophet. I'm sure he resents that. It's an incredible book. It's, it's not Habakkuk as a prophet preaching against Israel. He's not giving a message from God to people. 
It's a short three-chapter book outlining his journey and just his conversation with God about some things that are going on around him that he doesn't understand. And he says, you know, basically summarizing it, God, things are really bad down here. Things are really hard down here. Your people aren't being righteous. Your, your kingdom is messed up. Uh, don't you see this, God? How come you're not fixing this? And God says, oh, I see it. Don't worry about it. It's under control. I got a plan. And Habakkuk says, awesome. What's the plan? And God says, I'm going to bring the Babylonians in to wipe everybody out. And Habakkuk says, say what? That's worse, God. <laughs> and God goes, no, 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 no. I got, I got a plan and I got it all under control. And they're going to do this. See, Habakkuk wants to see God work in powerful ways, in awesome ways. Look in chapter 3. And if you got to look in, you know, your table of contents to find Habakkuk, that's okay. But in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. And in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Haven't we all said this? Basically, God, I, I've heard about the glory days. I've heard, as a matter of fact, I can remember when this was happening, and this was happening in my life, and this was going great in my life, and this was awesome. That's what I'm talking about, God. That's what I want to see. Let me see that again in right now. We've all felt that. And we've all felt the heartache when that doesn't happen. And we start to doubt. And when it doesn't happen and then God does something else, and like Habakkuk maybe with the Bible, he goes, God, it's getting worse, not better. But God assured Habakkuk, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to send a Savior to Israel. Now, God didn't tell him, you won't be alive to see it. <laughs> but God did say, I've got it under control, Habakkuk. I've got it under control. And I love where Habakkuk ends up in chapter 3. Because see, it's kind of depressing at this point, but it ends up kind of good. And beginning at verse 17 of chapter 3, this is what Habakkuk says. He goes, look, though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, uh, though there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer and enables me to tread on the heights. God didn't fix everything. He didn't fix all of Habakkuk's problems. Not in the way Habakkuk wanted him to. Not in the way he asked him to. Matter of fact, he didn't even fix the problem, I don't think, in Habakkuk's lifetime yet Habakkuk said yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God my Savior and when I looked at this and I thought about my life and I thought about my heart I thought how dare I be thankful to God only when things are going my way only when God is doing things the way I want him to do it. 
You see, I don't like it when people treat me that way. What, you're only my friend? You're only like me when I do things the way you want to do it? That makes me feel disrespected. It makes me feel used. And I don't want God to feel that way. I don't want to make God feel like I only respect you, I only appreciate you when you do what I want you to do, when I want you to do it. So Habakkuk just convicted me. When things get hard, we're tempted to do many things. I know I'm tempted to do many things when things get hard. And I'm sure Habakkuk was too. Now the first thing that happens to me when things get hard in my life, and this is not necessarily a bad thing, but you pray. And you say, God, take the hard thing away. Okay? Make everything okay again. And so that's kind of what Habakkuk is doing. God, things are hard, things are bad, take the hard stuff away. God answered, he was in control, and nothing escapes his notice. See, sometimes I think I'm telling God something that he don't know. Like, God, I'm sure this slip, you got a lot going on. Global warming and all kinds of stuff, Ukraine and everything, I don't know. But I don't know if you really know what's going on, so let me tell you what's going on here, God. And I'm trying to let God know it. And God's saying, look, I really appreciate it, but I don't need your help. I know what's going on. I got this one. God told Habakkuk that he was going to deal with the situation. Again, though, just not in the way that Habakkuk wanted. And this has happens to me. It happens in my life too. See, God is always working in my life. It's just not always the way I want him to. And don't we get that way? We know what's best for us. If I, if I knew what was best for me, my life would go a lot easier. <coughs> I've seen so many situations And I've been in so many situations myself. When I know the problem and I know the solution, I'll get with somebody and say, here's what needs to happen. You need to tell my wife. And that'll fix it. And they explain to me that might be a little bit more to the problem than that. I know the problem. I'll tell you how to fix it. And they're going, nope, this, oh, no, this is how you fix it. Oh, no, 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 I don't, mm-mm, you're crazy. <laughs> Let me go find somebody else. Somebody else, take my problem away. Take the hardship away. God doesn't always fix things the way I want him to fix things in my life. And then it occurs to me that maybe God might have bigger things to consider than just my desires. That God's very existence is not surrounded by keeping Tracy Lar happy. Yet sometimes that's what we treat him. That's your job, God, right? You're the blesser. You've got to bless me. It occurs to me that God might have bigger things on his agenda than my personal little stuff. And it occurs to me That God might have bigger things in my life. Bigger things he wants for me than I can even see right now. That I don't even know what to ask for to make things better. Still, it doesn't hurt to pray, does it? (laughs) 
But just when we pray, let's keep in mind, A, we're not informing God of anything he doesn't already know. And I'm probably definitely not the one to tell God how to fix it. God can handle it. He's been doing it a long time. Okay, God, my first reaction is take the hard things away. But God says, I'm not going to do that. Well, then my second temptation is, well, then I'm going to take me away from the hard things. I'm going to run away. Can you imagine Habakkuk talking to God, laying it out, and God saying, I got a plan. Awesome. What's your plan? And in chapter 1, verse 5, here God's going to lay out the plan. Okay, he says in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, look at the mountains and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. What? <laughs> now, I've heard verse 5 preached an awful lot. We like that. Ooh, God's going to do something awesome. Something I ain't never going to see before. Something's going to be amazing. Something's going to be incredible. And then God goes, yeah, I'm going to make it harder on you. A lot of people don't read that next sentence. They don't read verse 6. I, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. How many of us, if we'd have been Habakkuk going, well, if that's the case, Lord, I'm going to go on a long vacation. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, the 411. Babylon's coming. I'm going. Time to get out of town. See, that's just, that's just that response. But he didn't do this. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says... Habakkuk said in chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me. What answer I give to this complaint? He says, okay, I'll go and I'll stand my watch. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'm sticking around. Babylon's coming, but I'm not going. I've run off to green pastures before. I've done this before. This is how Phyllis and I and our family got involved with the, what is now the International Churches of Christ. It wasn't even the International Churches of Christ back in the day when we ran off to green pastures in Boston. Okay, we, we left the churches of our youth, of our family, of which I was a fifth generation member. We had deep roots and we left it not because we thought they were wrong or because they were bad or that they were going to hell. It was just, it was greener pastures. Things were more exciting over there. That's what I told my family, and I couldn't believe it that they were insulted. But that's what we did. And I've done that, and it was going to be better for me. And God worked in incredible ways through this. But I've done that before, and I'm not doing that again. I don't know what would have happened if we hadn't. I don't know what God may have had in store. I don't know. But I know I'm not going to do that again. I know today it is the prevailing modern thought of Christianity is what's in it for me. There's been a false Christianity preached and it permeates our society where it's all about God serve me, God bless me, church serve me, church bless me. And when you don't, I'll find someone who will. This past year, Phyllis and I have grown in some friendships and relationships 
uh, with, with people not part of our fellowship here. And this is kind of one of the challenges. When you're the pastor, all your friends and your, everybody's all the same people. So you really got to work to get build these other relationships. And I hear them talking about leaving this church and going to that church. Why? Well, the music is better. Well, I like to preach. Well, it's just different. I just like it. It's just, every, day, every now and then I like to go somewhere different. And that's just the mentality. When things get hard, you know, Habakkuk said, no, I'll stand. I'll stand my, my, my job on the rampart, on the wall. I'll wait. I'll do it. So what to do? Do I move? Do I leave? Do I go somewhere where it's easier, a fresh start? God's plan in Habakkuk for his people the hard times that were coming with Babylon was done specifically to strengthen them and to mature them and to prepare them for a Messiah. It was done for a reason to help them grow to be the type of people God wanted them to be. What would have happened if Habakkuk had left and avoided all of that? What would have happened to his life? What if I run away from God's discipling? God's plan to strengthen me, to, to mature me, to build me up. Show me and get me prepared for something that I can't even see or imagine because I have no idea what's coming down the road. Just like God told Habakkuk there in chapter 5, I mean verse 5, be utterly amazed, dude. I'm going to do something that you wouldn't believe. Even if I were to tell you, what if he's got something like that in store for me? And I avoid it. I run away because I want things to be easier. So many are jockeying for position on the path of least resistance, never realizing in doing so they're taking themselves away from the very thing meant to help them grow. No. Like Habakkuk, I'm here until God makes it clear I need to be somewhere else. Just because it gets hard doesn't mean it's time to go. Right. Now, when it gets hard, I may be tempted. God, take this hard thing away. And when that doesn't have to happen, I may be saying, well, well, God, take me away from the hard thing. But if that's not an option, then it's number three. I just got to stay and see what God's going to do. Yeah. See, right before that passage I read, you remember that one that said about, you know, there ain't no fig tree, don't, no olives, and ain't no cows or sheep and everything. Basically, it said, if everything goes wrong, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. Remember that? Just read that a few moments ago. Right before that passage... The very first verse, right before that, this is what he said in chapter 3, verse 16. He said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. He was like, I... <laughs> he says, yet I will patiently, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. He was scared. He was nervous. See, they call it hard times for a reason. They're hard. He said, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, decay crept in my bones. I don't even know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. My, my, my legs trembled. It's hard to go through hard times. But then he said, but I'll wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation. Basically, he says, I'll wait patiently for God to handle the details. 
I don't know if he ever saw the day of calamity that came on Babylon. I know this. It didn't come upon Babylon through Israel's hands. It was the Medo-Persian Empire that overthrew them. It was never, Israel was never validated or, 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 or whatever. You know, oh, they never should have been captured by Babylon. They, God raised them up and they broke themselves free. That never happened. But Habakkuk said, I'll just wait patiently. I'll see what God's going to do. We'll see where God takes this. Even though he personally, I don't know if he ever lived long enough. I don't think he, he couldn't have lived long enough. To see Israel brought back home in the story. He said, but I'll wait patiently. Even until the day he died. And I think he's one of the guys mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. No, his name's not mentioned. But his attitude and his heart is talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's in verse 13. And I look at this and I go, this is what I want said about me. He says here that all these people... I think Habakkuk was thrown in there. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things that were promised. God said, Habakkuk, I'm going to save Israel. But Habakkuk never saw it himself. He says, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting. If they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now people like that, people who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. The one they have here, this isn't mine. I'm looking for something better. Verse 15, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God and he has prepared a city for them. I want to be like one of those guys. That even if God does not do it for me today. Even if God doesn't make me happy today. Do everything the way I want him to today. Even if I have to live by faith until I die. I'm looking for something better than make me happy today. I want more out of life than make me happy today. And I look for that better land. And I want God to say, hey, you can call me your God all day long. I'm not ashamed of that. I'll be your God. You be my child. That's what I want. That's what I'm going. I want God saying, get ready, buddy. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm getting it ready. I don't even know what that means. But it sounds pretty awesome. So for all of us. For all of us that are here, if you're going through hard times now, I mean, it's coming on Thanksgiving. How are you supposed to be thankful on Thanksgiving or hard times? I can. Yep. There's hard times at home, hard times at work or school, or maybe it's here at the church. Well, I pray that you will pray. God, take the hard times away. You never know. On the other hand, it's likely God says, no, 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 I, I, I got a purpose in this. I'm trying to teach either you something, or I'm teaching somebody else something, or I'm teaching you both something, because he's really good at that anyway. And, 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 and he says, no, yeah. and say, okay, God, then if you're not going to take the hard times away from me, I, I, I'll try to take me away from the hard times. I'm not going to go. 
I'm going to stick it around. I am going to wait patiently for my Lord. And if I wait and it doesn't happen, and I wait and it doesn't happen, and then I die, the worst case scenario is I get to go be with my Father in heaven. And I will live by faith. Don't try to avoid those hard times. Don't risk removing yourself from the very thing God intends to strengthen you. Look for the lessons and let it draw you closer to God. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for the blessings. Be thankful in the good times. Be thankful for the hard times. And let God use them both to raise you up to his glory. Amen.